Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kowaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. On this week's episode, we wrap up the Australian Cricket Awards and preview the upcoming KFC BBL Finals with Adelaide Strikers head coach, Jason Gillespie. Let's start with Cricket's Night of Nights, the Australian Cricket Awards that were held in Melbourne on Monday evening. There was plenty of glitz and glamour on the black carpet. Marcus Stoinis and Adam Zampa were either the best or worst dressed, depending on your fashion taste. Now, when it came to the awards, Pat Cummins was crowned the Alan Border medalist, while Alyssa Healy took out the Belinda Clark medal for an outstanding 12 months. Healy actually swept the women's awards. She was named the ODI and T20 Player of the Year as well. Nathan Lyon was the Men's Test Player of the Year. Marcus Stoinis, he won the Men's ODI Player of the Year. England Maxwell, the Men's T20 Player. Matthew Wade was the Men's Domestic Player, while Heather Graham won the Women's Domestic Player. Leg spinner Georgia Wareham was named the Betty Wilson Young Cricketer, and Victoria's Will Bukowski won the Bradman Young Cricketer. New South Wales all-rounder Moses Henriquez was honoured with a new award, the Community Champion Award, for his work in raising awareness for mental health issues. For more details on the Australian Cricket Awards night, head to cricket.com.au. Now, as a special treat for all you loyal listeners out there, our senior writer and unplayable podcast favourite, Andrew Ramsey, sat down with Pat Cummins in an exclusive chat after the ceremony. Pat, congratulations. Uh, so what does this award mean in terms of you know, the recognition that grants and the fact that it's voted on by your, your peers, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's a huge thing being voted by your teammates that you, you know, walk out in the field every single day. And I think being voted over a 12-month period kind of shows um, consistency, which is always the aim of any cricketer to try and stay in the game and try and perform every single day so um, for me it's just a huge thrill to be in the uh, you know get the same award that so many greats of the game have ever got before and it all kind of feels a little bit weird at the moment to be honest. Does it mean all those years and you spent slogging away in the gym you know rehabbing and getting back from things is that kind of this is what it's all about in some ways? Yeah I suppose so I think all those years back in the you know in the gym and the running paddock trying to be able to bowl again was you always look at just small goals ahead and um, I thought, I think if I really thought hard I would kind of hope to get back in the test side and, and maybe string together you know, quite a few games back to back but now to have a couple of years pretty much unhindered by injuries has been great and to get this um, you know, it makes it even sweeter. It's, um, yeah, it's crazy to think that I've been able to play so much the last couple of years and, and um, you know, play as well as I would have liked to as well. These sort of nights, people look back at highlights, reels and stuff. Did you have a personal highlight from the summer gone? Was there some one moment or one spell or one wicket that you really gives you great satisfaction? I think Boxing Day was a big one for me. Um, it was one all in the series and a huge occasion. So many people um, there on Boxing Day 
bowling last year, my first boxing day we batted. So just to be out there in the field for the whole day was great. Um, didn't really go to plan, um, but then to to get some wickets late on a day, it was. Um, you know, I felt like the game was slipping away, and, and suddenly, almost out of nowhere, just happened to get a few wickets. But I just remember the crowd that day was just incredible. Just um, kind of, you know, big clap, big claps every single ball. Um, just you know, I thought, how was this? I'm playing a Boxing Day test. The whole stadium's here. Felt like they're running and bowling with me, and um, that was probably the first time in my career I really felt like, yeah, the whole stadium was with me, and um, just you know, absolutely soaked it in and absolutely loved it. Was that a bit surreal? I remember Tim May once saying he took like five for nine in a test match and he told people in the middle of it, I just can't believe this is happening, you know, this is a bit scary. Is it, was it similar? Yeah, I, I said exactly the same thing. Um, I don't think I bowled any better than I, I had. Um, it, it was it was weird, it just, everything seemed to come off and yeah, with each wicket just kind of went into everyone and said, what's happening here, this is crazy. And um, Yeah, I just remember that night um, having dinner with mum and dad and they were up in the stadium just saying this is crazy, yeah, this was, <laughs> yeah, that was you they were cheering for, so um, yeah, it's all a bit surreal, it doesn't feel like you should be the one out there um, playing, because you've watched so many hours as a kid, now all your heroes playing, so to be out there in the middle of it's pretty cool. And even batting-wise in that game, did you, you got to 60-odd, did you ever, did you dare to dream, did you think this could <laughs> be the day? Uh, not really, to be honest, I, I um, yeah, I kind of got out there and, you know, the first 20 or 30 balls I felt absolutely dreadful, so to get through that and then to score you know, a few runs over the next hour or so, I, I thought I was, heck is this, I got 30, you know, 40, and then Lino came out and we had a bit of fun and hit around, and yeah, next minute I got 50 and 60. So it was just one of those things that seems to, yeah, seemed to happen. Um, and turning up to the, the ground the next morning, I, yeah, probably had a bit more confidence than you normally do going out to bat, um, having a few runs in your board, but it was the same old story. I sneaked off a couple of overs later. Um, the vice-captaincy, oh, that's sort of come around by osmosis a bit. Um, you were asked at the start of the summer or early in the summer what you thought about leadership and you said, no, it's not, I'm just concentrate on bowling. But now that you are in the you know, vice-captain's position, mm -hmm. do you let yourself think that maybe you could do it if, it, if the opportunity came up, captaining? Oh, I, think, I think I probably think the same as I have the last kind of year. Um, I think naturally everyone in the team has to become leaders. When you go back to your state, you're, you're naturally a leader. Um, a vice captaincy, it's a great role to have um, to get, be out there and support Payne, but um, I don't feel like it's too cumbersome on, on my cricket. Captaincy, I, I haven't really done for since probably under 15, so I, I think, especially test cricket, the way um, you know, demands on a, a fast bowler um, go out and bowl, I feel absolutely exhausted after each spell, trying to recover, and then uh, kind of once you finish bowling, I'm, Normally, got to get my head around batting pretty pretty quickly. So um, I think it's definitely something you know I could do or a fast bowler could do. But um, I think at the moment, obviously, we don't have to worry about that because we've got great leader in Payne. But um, I think there's there's definitely other people suited better than me. Mm. And speaking of leadership roles, did David Saker's news during the week or last week? Um, were you surprised, or did, what was your reaction to that announcement? Yeah, I think I think. Sakes, he, um, I think he, he kind of knew that um, he was kind of towards the end of his, um, I guess, coaching tenure with, it, with the Aussie team. Um, kind of speaking to him at the start of the summer, um, there's just so much change around. And um, yeah, hearing the news, I was, you know, I was a little bit sad. I absolutely love Sakesy and 
just love working with him. And you know, I think he's a really good bowling coach, really good coach, really good mentor. Just a great bloke to have around the team. So um, I think he's going to be hugely missed. I think any general manager out there or player in the world that needs a coach would be mad not to be ringing him up right now and trying to get him to their side because he's just a great guy to have around. And um, yeah, we're going to miss him. But um, yeah, speaking of jail, I know we're going to have a, another bowling coach. Um, I'm sure that's going to do just as good a job, if not better, and um, you know, excited for what the future holds. Of you know, something a little bit more fresh around, and um, yeah, can't wait. And how exciting is the coming northern summer you know, with the World Cup and then an Ashes series in England? I mean, you must sort of pinch yourself at times. Yeah, I think it's it's about a four and a half, five month tour, and I couldn't be more excited. Um, it's it's just as a as a test player, you look towards the next Ashes series. As an ODI player, you look towards the World Cup, and we've got them back to back. So, um, I think the next couple of months, getting to the World Cup is really exciting. I haven't played too much white ball the last couple of years, so um, well, the last year. So to play, I think we've got ten ODIs um, before the World Cup. Hopefully, get into that ODI squad for the World Cup and try and defend the title. Um, it's some of my best memories I've ever had was the World Cup here in 2015 and I didn't really play too much in it. But, um, so hopefully get over there, play in it first of all and um, yeah, try and defend the title. That, that's hugely exciting. And then for me, you know, the Ashes defending that, uh, we had a great series last year against them. Um, pretty much the, the same team from last year is going to be available again, um, plus so many other people that have put their hand up. So we're going to have a really strong squad and we haven't won in, I think, 18 or 19 years. So um, I can't wait to get over there and you know, play a good five-match test series with the Dukes ball, hopefully swinging around a bit for us bowlers. And yeah, just, just can't wait for all of it. Have you played much over there in English conditions? <sighs> Not really. I've played um, three or four ODI series and I've played... Um, some, some uh, Aussie A cricket and some, um, a couple of tour matches during the Ashes in 2015, but it's, I love it. It's a different challenge to Australia. You've got to, um, yeah, you've still got to bowl well. Um, you know, there's times where the, the ball doesn't swing around. There's other times where it swings twice as much as you'd kind of expect in Australia. So I just love all those different challenges. Joining us from Adelaide is former Australia fast bowler and Adelaide Strikers head coach Jason Dizzy Gillespie. Thanks for coming on, Diz. Ah, oh, pleasure, Sam. Now we're at the pointy end of the BBL. Four teams left with the Hurricanes taking on the Stars and the Renegades hosting the Sixers. Let's start with the first semi in Hobart on Thursday night. Diz, the Hurricanes, they've been the form team all season. What have they done better than the rest of the league in BBL 08? Well, I mean, let's let's face it. They've got the two leading run scorers, and when your opening batsmen are, are getting your team off to fantastic starts like that, um, you know, you, you're putting big scores on the board, or you're chasing, you know, going a long way towards chasing totals down. And uh, you know, I, I think that's um, you know that's been a real feature. So Darcy Short, Matthew Wade, I think they've been excellent uh, throughout this BBL. Uh, as I said, both the leading run scorers. So, so that's given, you know, the the Hobart Hurricanes innings, you know, good platforms, and uh, you know, and they've dri- driven games forward. And and I think then, you know, the rest of the team uh, feeds off that. They've got some some really good role players. Um, you know, uh, we saw Caleb Jewell came in for a couple of cameos. Uh, ben McDermott, we know what a destructive player he he is. Uh, the calm influence of George Bailey. In, in the middle order there. Um, you know, they're a 
they're a really good side. And then, then we've seen, you know, the what they can do with the ball. You know, I think Joffre Archer is a fine overseas signing. Um, Sussex County Cricket Club player. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, look, he, he's been in, in good touch. Uh, young Riley Meredith has shown yeah, real promise uh, with the ball, with, with his pace. Um, you know, and, you know, they've had James Faulkner has, you know, um, been able to pick up early wickets in, in the power play, swinging the ball uh, with that left arm variation. He, he's been a, a really good, uh, really good pick up for them. Um, yeah, and they've, they've just had some lads who perform their roles. So, look, they've, they've been the form team. Uh, they deserve to be top and they deserve a home semi-final. Well, their opponents, the Stars, they finished fourth after an emphatic win over the Sixers at the MCG on Sunday night, having been blanked by the Heat only a couple of nights earlier. What do, oh. the, what do the Melbourne Stars have to do to beat the Hurricanes and Hobart? And, you know, after two completely contrasting, dramatically different games. Yeah, so I was just going to touch on that. The, you know, uh, the Brisbane Heat gave them an absolute powling. Um, that, that's as... as it's a demoralising loss as you could probably have, and uh, you know, to be to be fair to the stars, I didn't think they did that much wrong. I think there was some brutal hitting from Cutting and Max Bryant, um, and but that shows the nature of, of BBL to then be able to regroup, um, put a score on the board, uh, and then bowl out, you know, another form team in the Sydney Sixers, you know, for for a low total, um, you know, it shows. And, you know, shows what BBL's about, shows a bit of character, um, you know, but I think, you know, the, the Melbourne Stars can thank their captain for, for getting them into the final, uh, into the final series. Uh, Glenn Maxwell's 80 out of 40 balls. Um, that's just, you know, one of the best T20 innings that you will see. And, um, you know, I think captaincy works for Glenn Maxwell. I've often said, I think he'd be, he'd make a very good captain. Um, you know, and you know he's shown that you know he's he has got what it takes um, to to lead a, a T20 side. So um, you know, I, I think Hobart will be a bit nervous, to be honest. Um, you know, Melbourne Stars have actually got nothing to lose, and um, you know the Melbourne Stars will be certainly looking to target the top order of the Hurricanes in the power play and try and pick up a couple of early wickets. Uh, I think that will. Um, put a lot of pressure on Hobart and expose their middle order, who, you know, have, you know, been able to just uh, ride the wave of, of the great starts that the Hobart uh, team have had. Um, if Melbourne can impact early and, and you know get a few wickets, um, you know, it could put a bit of pressure on the Hobart Hurricanes uh, middle and lower order. Marcus Doinus has been a bit of a revelation moving up the top of the order. He seems to be striking the ball exceptionally well and taking lots of wickets when he's bowling as well. What have you made of his season, Dizzy? Yeah, I really like Marcus Doinus as a as a cricketer. I think he's, um, you know, he, he's just does a really good job. You know, he started batting in the middle order. I think it was a good decision to put him up top. Um, gives him some time. You know, he, he can he can get off to a flyer. Um, you know, but I, I think what it will allow him to do, and I think in the bigger picture, you know, looking at it from an um, you know, Australian point of view, not just a Melbourne Stars point of view, it, it'll give him experience batting up there should Australia ever, you know, require, um, you know, him to, to be able to bat up the top. But I, I think, you know, he's a clean striker of the ball. 
Um, you know, when he looks to hit straight down the ground, he looks at his most dangerous uh, for me, um, rather than trying to go too square uh, too much. But if he looks to play down the ground, I, I think he looks very threatening. And then obviously, he's, you know, he, you know, he, he bowls uh, quite well. He's got he bowls um, you know, length balls into the pitch. He's got changes of pace. Um, you know, his his um, normal. His stock delivery is of decent pace. He's, he's north of 130 k's an hour, um, you know, and he can bowl a Yorker. So look, he's a look. He, he's a he's a good cricketer, um, you know, and he could uh, he could cause the Hurricanes a few problems. I was going to say, who are you expecting to have a big game in this one, Diz? I, I actually think Joffre Archer could have a big game. Uh, he loves the spotlight. He loves the the big games and. Um, he'll look to really impact. Hobart will look for him to impact early and, and you know, possibly Boulder, Stoinis and Ben Dunk up front uh, look to take an early wicket. Um, I know sometimes they start with spin, the Hobart Hurricanes with Clive Rose uh, or James Faulkner if he's swinging it. Um, but they might just, uh, if they don't throw the ball to Faulkner or Rose, they might just throw it to... Uh, uh, to Joffre and, and tell him to come in and bowl fast and, and try and uh, create some havoc. So uh, you could see something there. Um, but look, I, I think Hobart will probably start favourites. And, and if Darcy and uh, Matty Wade uh, get them off to a good start, I I think it's going to be hard work for the for the Melbourne Stars to, to rein them in. So is that your tip? Are you tipping the Hurricanes to go through to the final? Uh, yeah, although I think it's a potential banana skin for them, uh, banana skin game for them, because they've had such a good tournament. Um, and, you know, they have finished top. They've got the home semi. Um, you know, there's, there's probably going to be a bit of expectation. Um, they probably need to put that out of their mind and just focus on what they need to do uh, and play the game that they've been playing all tournament and not worry about the outside noise and, and other things. They just focus on what they need to focus on. Um, it should give them the best chance of being successful for mine. In the second semi, the Renegades and Sixers square off at Marvel Stadium. The Sixers' heavy loss to the Stars. I mean, the Gays finished on in second place. What's impressed you most about the Renegades this year, Diz? Yeah, uh, they probably they probably haven't batted as well as I would have liked, but they've been able to scrape themselves to totals. Um, but I think their bowling is, has uh, got them through. Kane Richardson's led the way, um, and his record at Marvel has been excellent. I think he's got 14 wickets, at less than 10. Um, you know, using his changes of pace, he bowls into the pitch. Um, you know, he's bowled very well. Um, so, you know, they've obviously, um, you know, not Narby's not there, is he? He's um, no. He's not going to be there. So they'll have a. Um, They'll only have the one overseas player, so they'll play, play a local player. Um, you know, but I think they're bowling. They've been able to defend well, the Renegades. Um, they've been able to get, you know, enough runs on the board or, or chase down, you know, modest totals. So they've played some really good cricket and, um, you know, it'll be a, a danger game. Having said that, I think the Sixers have been a, a very good side throughout the tournament. I think Tom Curran's a big loss for them, to be honest. Bowling at the back end of the innings, his many variations. Um, you know, I think he's a he's potentially a real loss for them. 
Yeah, well, currently he's just signed a three-year extension with the Sixers, so he'll be in Magenta for another three seasons. Uh, and you've got to think with Aaron Finch, he's the National Limit Overs captain. He hasn't had the greatest summer, but he's such a class player. You think that he's going to come off sooner rather than later, and the Sixers will be hoping it's not on Friday night. Yeah, most certainly. Aaron Finch is a, he's a fine player, and um, look, he may not he hasn't quite had the summer that he would have hoped, but um, but look, you, you don't lose the skills overnight, and you know, semi final, uh, big stage. Aaron Aaron loves the big stage, and you know he'll, he'll want to lead from the front here. Um, you know, for me, I think the the real calming influence in the Renegades lineup has been Dan Christian. Um, you know, he's been a massive signing for the Renegades. He, he gives options with the ball. Uh, he's very good in the field. And he's that calming influence in that middle order with the bat. Um, you know, he, he could very well uh, prove the difference. I think Aaron Finch will, will look to get him off to a flyer. Um, they've, had a, they've had many different combinations with their batting order this year, the Renegades. So I have no idea which way they're going to go with their batting. I'm, I'm confident that Aaron will open up, but... <laughs> I don't know who who opened with whether it be Mackenzie Harvey or uh, or Tom Cooper or Sam Harper. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, I think. But um, but look, they've look they've played some really good cricket. Uh, I think it'll be a fascinating game. It'll be a you know Marvel's been it's been quite a slow pitch uh, this year, um, and with the lack of a square, um, you know it is a bit harder if you're not finding the boundary to rotate the strike because the ball doesn't bounce off the square and get through the infield for singles. Um, so it, it, you know that there could be a few more dot balls than uh, we see at some other grounds. Um, so I think it could be you know could be which team finds a boundary more often um, could find themselves on the winning side. We saw the stars bounce back from that hammering to the heat. The Sixers, how do they go about rebounding from that loss to the Stars and getting that win on Friday? Yeah, look, they, they simply need to acknowledge that um, things didn't go well there. They've got to park that. They've got to put that out of their mind and, and focus on the task at hand. Learn the lessons from that game, but, but they certainly don't... The last thing they'd want to do is dwell on that performance. Um so that they'll want to park that and, and just put all their energies into, you know, what's going to allow them to play well against the Melbourne Renegades and, and do their research on, on the Renegades, uh, how they can impact positively against them. But, but they'll certainly won't want to be dwelling on that uh, past performance, much like the Melbourne Stars wouldn't have dwelled too much on, on the Brisbane Heat game. So, yeah, it's, it, look, I, I think we've got, you know, two fascinating... Um, you know, semi-finals here. Um, it's exciting. It's going to be exciting to watch, and uh, you know, looking forward to uh, seeing who comes out on top. Who's who's one player the fans should look out for at Marvel Stadium on Friday night? Dizzy, who's one player they should keep an eye on? Oh, in the Renegades and Sixers. Yeah, um, yeah I think Dan Christian um, for the Renegades. I, I think he he could have an impact, um, and. Look, I, I think keep an eye on Josh Philippe uh, up the top there for the uh, Sydney Sixers. You know, I, rec- I reckon he's just about due for a, for impactful innings, and uh, he's he's had he's had a couple of uh, good knocks and mixed in with a couple missed out a couple of times as well. I reckon he's just about due to fire, and uh, so we could see some fireworks down at Marvel on uh, Friday night. All right, you're going to give us a tip for that game. Oh, I'm gonna. 
that's a tough one. I, I I think the Renegade should win it, but it's um, you know, and I'll probably say that because the Sixers have have lost um, Tom Curran, so I'm probably going to go home ground advantage there. All right, now uh, Dizzy, there's been more games. It's been a longer season. There's two television broadcasters. How did you find the BBL this season? Yeah, look, look I've enjoyed it. Uh, probably not as much as uh, last <laughs> year because we, we, well, we played finals. We managed to win, which was nice. Um, so not probably not quite as enjoyable. But I think, look, uh, I think it will. Ha- I think Cricket Australia will, uh, and the the broadcasters will um, will review uh, the the BBL season and and look at ways to. Um, make it more efficient and more effective. I, you know, and I certainly think uh, I don't have a problem with playing each team home and away. I think 14 games home and away is, is fine. But I, I think, uh, I, I personally think it could be uh, squeezed into a shorter time frame. Uh, and I think, I think Cricket Australia realise that. I think the broadcasters realise that. Um, and, you know, I, I think that would be an ideal. I, I think that would... Um, that would work quite nicely. Right, and just on the striker season, as you mentioned, um, won the title last year, didn't make the finals this time around. Um, what do you think that you guys could have done a little bit better in BBL 08? Oh, well, we could have batted better, we could have bowled better, we could have, uh, <laughs> could have caught better. Um, and I know that sounds very simplistic, but it's, it is it is the truth. We, we, we didn't put enough decent scores on the board, whether we were setting or chasing. Um you know, I don't think we were as quite as effective with the ball. Um, you know, the, this this season uh, weren't quite as impactful. Um, you know, and sometimes when you're not scoring the runs um, and there's no minimal scoreboard pressure, uh, that can happen. Um, you know, and I don't, and I just sense we weren't quite as sharp in the field this year. Um, not quite sure what that uh, put that down to. Um, you know, but certainly we'll we'll review the season and uh, and look at ways to um, get better. You know, we feel we've got a really good squad, so you know we're not going to have uh, many changes at all uh, in in regard to personnel in our squad. Um, you know, we feel we've got the players. Uh, we just need to perform our skills better. Um, you know, we, we only had Travis Head for a couple of games this summer. Um, you know, which. You know, we're certainly not the only team that misses over uh, international players, um, but certainly Travis being captain and and batting at number three, um, you know, did have a bit of an impact, uh, but certainly not an excuse because you know we, we do have have quite a, a few very very fine players that um, you know unfortunately we we just left a little bit too much with the bat uh, for too few players and. So I think moving forward, we probably need to share the load a bit more. Um, and then, you know, and same with the ball, we probably need to share the load a little bit more. And, um, and you know, you don't want to rely on one or two people to do all the work. Turning to the, the national setup, Paddy Cummins last night was awarded the Allen Border Medal. Uh, Dizzy, how good has Cummins been this summer and how much better can he get? I mean, he's only 25. Yeah, he's he's a fine bowler, isn't he? And he he's just you know you got to remember he's bowled you know in Test cricket and pretty much all of his bowling has been done bowling first change. So um, he hasn't had the brand new ball in his hand, um, you know, which makes his uh, contributions even more 
uh, telling for mine. I, I think he's been fantastic. I think he's made some great contributions to the bat. Um, you know, he, he is a leader without having a letter next to his name. Um, you know, I know there's been a bit of talk about, um, you know, about him potentially being Australian captain. And, and while I think it'd be cool that a, that a fast bowler is captain of a, of a test side, I'm not sure it'd be the right way to go. Um, I personally don't believe that, that that would necessarily work. But, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, a fast bowler can't be a leader around the team. Um, just doesn't need to necessarily have the C next to his name. Um, but, look, I think he's been, been fantastic. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him do well in all forms of the game uh, in 2019. It's an exciting summer for... Well, exciting winter for Australia, I should say. Uh, with lots of cricket coming up, with the World Cup, we've got the Ashes. Um, you know, very exciting. And I think Pat Cummins is is going to play an integral role in uh, in, in Australia uh, performing well. You know, if Australia going to perform well, he's got to uh, you know perform well as an individual. Uh, certainly not on his own. Um, we need a lot of contributions, but you know, I think Pat Cummins is is going to make some telling contributions throughout the winter tours. Now, you are one of the few players around, Dizzy, that had success over there in England. Uh, 2001, right? The last time Australia won the Ashes over there in England. So uh, Yeah, what, in 97 and 01? Yeah, so... 01, yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. You've got... You've got uh, you know what it takes to win over there. So Australia uh, are going to assemble their Ashes squad at some point. Fast bowlers... Um, are always a, a contentious group, and the uh, what are they? The backbone, the engine room of any mm. any team. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Uh, so, who yeah, the, absolutely. <laughs> who are the uh, who are the fast bowlers? You think that Australia should take over there for that? Uh, right. Well, tour? the fast bowlers that they should take: uh, Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood. Um, I think Jai Richardson's probably shown enough to be afforded an opportunity. Um, you know, I would say potentially a, a Peter Siddle, um, a bit of experience uh, with the Duke ball in those conditions. And I would take Dan Well, personally. Um, so I would take six quicks. Um, and I would have Dan Well uh, certainly in the conversation. Um, and also, but, you know, I, I think... So I'd probably have, if I can say to you, I'll put the top, the first four that I mentioned, Richardson, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, and then I think out of the next two bowlers will be out of Siddle, Dan Worrell, Chris Tremaine, um, possibly Berendorf, um, and and it will depend whether they want an all-rounder. If they do go an all-rounder, then I think they will probably look at uh, Marcus Stoinis. Um, you've picked 20 I, blokes I, there. You've picked 20 people there. You've got, yeah, you've I'm, got just, four I'm, I'm, keeping, <laughs> I'm keeping options open, mate. <laughs> no, I'm saying, though, that those... Uh, I'd pick those first four, but then the next two positions will be yeah. out of those the rest of those guys. What do you That's like about Dan Worrell? His name's been thrown around a lot. What about him has got oh, all the I think he, he, pitches a, he, he pitches the ball up and he bowls it between 135, 140Ks and he can swing the Duke ball both ways. For me, that could be, you know, that point of difference that we need um, to 
to challenge the defence of the England batsman um, with the Duke ball. So I, I think he's a, he's a chance of having an impact. Um, I mean, you could I could throw an absolute smoky in for you if you want. Yeah, go on. Um, Nick Winter, left arm swing bowler from South Australia. He took eight for yesterday, didn't he? In the futures yeah. last year, if you remember, he only played half the Shield season and he played it with the Duke ball and was runner-up Shield player of the year. If you are picking pure horses for courses, he could come into the conversation. I like if he's thinking. swinging the ball, yeah. If pure, and I'm talking. I'm not saying whether they'll do it or whether they should do it. I'm just saying. I'm throwing it out there that he may well come into the conversation on a pure horses for courses selection. I, I sense that Cricket Australia will probably take him on Aussie A, um, or they will encourage him to go and play league cricket in England. And so he, there's potential that he might be ready should. They feel that conditions would suit. And, you know, if something does happen to Mitchell Starker, he needs a couple of games to get ready after the World Cup. He's a, another left armour in the squad too. There you go. You never know. All, they're all lining up there. I think that's... Uh, the more we talk about it, I don't know if it's a smoky or, or it's a, a certainty. It's uh, making a lot well, of sense. there you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that for you to make that call, but I, I'm just throwing it out there. No, that's good. That's very you, good. You never know. Just thinking outside the square. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, they're going to need a, a bowling coach over there, Dizzy, now that um, David Saker stepped down. Are you interested <laughs> at all about applying in that, that, that position? Look, look Sam, I'm, I'm fully committed to the Adelaide Strikers for another year, uh, another season. Um, you know, I've got two years to run on my contract with Sussex. Um, and at this point in time, mate, I, I intend to honour those commitments. And, uh, you know, look, it's, it's absolutely flattering to be uh, spoken of in those things. And, look, there's, you know, obviously with a World Cup uh, ashes, I mean, that, it'd be wonderful to be part of that, uh, part of the international circuit, and you know, with, in, in a World Cup year and an ashes year. However, um, you know, I, I do have a job to do, you know, at the Strikers, and I've got a job to do at Sussex this summer uh, coming up, which I'm excited about. And, uh, you know, looking forward to, you know, you know, having a little break now and then looking forward to getting over and working with all the lads at the Sussex Sharks and uh, all our players and support staff and uh, hoping we can, um, we can have some success as a, as a club. But if you're over there, you wouldn't be shy of helping out the Aussies if they... Uh give you a buzz, you know, just at, a, at an ad hoc basis, I guess, if they're around and uh, you're around and go over there and give them a couple of tips? Uh, look, as I said... Not in a full-time they've capacity. They've, they've, got, they've got my phone number. If yeah. they want to give me a call, they can give me a call. But, uh, but as I said, my commitment is to Sussex um, and my commitment is to the Adelaide Strikers. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on, Diz. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, mate. No problem at all. That's it for this week's episode. Head to bigbash.com.au forward slash tickets to secure your BBL finals tickets today. The winners of the two semifinals will advance to the final on Sunday. Stay tuned for details around the season finale. Don't forget to subscribe to the Unplayable podcast on iTunes and Spotify. We'll be back next week live from India where Australia's men's side take on India in two T20s and five one-day internationals. So until then, for all your cricket news, scores and video, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.